Welcome, Seekers of Truth, coming to you from the edge of the known universe, better known as the Granite State, home of Betty and Barney Hill. Through the magic of electronic alchemy, a portal to another dimension has opened. You are about to make a metaphysical connection. This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This is the Metaphysical Connection, Episode 72, The Pentagon's X-Files. In this episode that was recorded on December 20th, Walt Schnabel and I, Eric Render King Fisk, discussed the latest developments from the Washington Post and the New York Times who divulged the secret program run by the Pentagon in Bigelow Aerospace which investigated unexplained aerial phenomenon, or as they are more commonly known as, unidentified flying objects or UFOs. Walt and I then review one of the best books about the modern mysteries surrounding our astral neighbor, Who Built the Moon by Christopher Knight. The Metaphysical Connection gives a proper send-off to one year and rings in the next in style. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. I guess we're I, I, this because okay. this this is quite unusual because we're we're not recording in our usual studio here. We're recording at uh, at at your house, right? Packed mm-hmm. up, packed up the show. Took remotely, it on the road. remotely, so to speak. Yeah, we're in a remote location. Yeah, and, and the thing is that this this is a very special room because this is where we had interviewed Kadrolska Ona, um, what a little less than a year ago, something like that. Yeah, and that was so. just. Yeah, that was a good interview. That was that was a that was a that was a good show. Very, <laughs> very, very interesting. It was. Yeah, yeah she was a good guest. Uh, and uh, I think because I, this, this it, I, I'm really not sure what to say. I'm actually at a loss for words because you're going to be moving to Portsmouth, Portland, Portland, Portlandia, Portlandia, and um, but Maine, not. It's yeah. It's 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 a it's a new phase. It's a new it's a new step in our evolution. A new phase of my moon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your moon. <laughs> not not to mention. Uh, that's speaking the topic of moons. For our show today. Yeah, speaking oh, yeah. of full, moons. Full moons. Speaking of full moons here, and uh, I, I wish Jim was here so we can talk about the, the paranormal news of the week. Mm. But this was a a huge huge week of for paranormal news especially in the realm of it's like right out of the page of the x files but i'm i'm jumping ahead of myself um your your buddy and i have to i have to bring out the the news item here um, cameron grant cameron is somebody who i definitely want to have on the fedora chronicles radio show again or again for the first time and he posted something, um, latest rumor coming in the next few weeks, probably Sunday, conflicting reports about what it will focus on, something to do with the government studying UFOs. And he published mm-hmm. this on his own webpage, December 7th. Right. What happened the following weekend, Walt? That was when they came out with it. The, the, New, the York New, New York Times article about the, the actual... Um, Commission, I guess it was a commission that was studying UFOs um, from when? 
when did it end? 2007? Um, I thought I I thought it. If you read the article, it is sort of vague when the program actually ended yeah. and if it if, actually if had it ended. actually has yeah. And when was it going from late nineties to uh, early two thousands to not too long ago? And I, I'm sorry to be vague <clears throat> about the numbers. Yeah, I, I don't have the numbers myself either. But the real point is that they had a they had a covert study going that nobody knew about um, to the tune of twenty two million dollars, which is. You know, in government terms, is not a huge amount of money, but it was through the Pentagon, though, right? I believe. No, it was it was specifically through the Pentagon. It was a program yeah. that was started by right. Harry Reid, who got some black money funds together, funneled it over to our our friend Mr. Bigelow. What's Mr. Bigelow's first name? Mm, is it Richard? Yeah, Richard Bigelow. Don't know. Could be. So the thing is, is that through through Mr. Bigelow and and Harry Reid funneled money towards Bigelow Aerospace to continue their study on flying saucers and 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 UFO unidentified aerial phenomenon, whatever they're calling it these days. Mm-hmm. And apparently, they had um, released a, a whole bunch of video of aircraft pilots fighter jet pilots and they're chasing unidentified aerial phenomenon right doing very strange maneuvers very strange maneuvers Mm -hmm. and there's the audio and the video um in these in um in these links and you, you just simply cannot deny the fact that this is this is either like really good special effects to the tune of maybe ilm or this is this is the real deal. Yeah, yeah. So it, it brings up another point too. Are these craft that you know that have been recorded? Are they actually alien craft, or or are they part of our secret space program that somehow got caught on 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 some kind of a recording device, or are they some combination of the two? Um, that's that's a question that I think. Um, Probably won't get answered, but I think it's a, a pretty valid one. Um, I think it's a I, I think it's a valid question to ask and have answered within the next year. But I think th- there are two aspects of this that I think that are are really important for the here and now. Grant Cameron is obviously tapped into something. Mm-hmm. He obviously has links within the news media and. This pretty much uh, um, legitimizes everything that he's been saying up to this point right. about. And there's also the notion that there there have been secret space programs or secret programs studying mm-hmm. these kind of phenomena within the Pentagon. Right. And Harry Reid was actually a part of it and that he was able to convince other senators and maybe some congressmen to funnel some money towards Bigelow Aerospace to study this stuff. And I mean, this ties back into all, I mean, so many other previous episodes that we've done. I mean, perfect example is that we did a show, we did a show on Skinwalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. Which is owned by Bigelow. Bigelow owns Skinwalker Ranch now, or the territory that contains the Skinwalker Ranch. So he's a a big player in, in all this. There's no... No question about that. He's got a ton of money. Uh, he, but he made his money in motels or something, didn't he? I think. He, or, or, 
I, I think I think he did own a chain of, of yeah. high and end. He's in aerospace too. I don't yeah. know if he made all of his money off of that, but uh, anyway, he's got a ton of money, billions, and uh, so he's a big player in this. What exactly his role is is hard to say. Well, uh, from what we understand now, after reading the New York Times piece, is that he has been. Um, responsible for research, at least within the continental United States, Canada, and perhaps Alaska, mm-hmm. into unexplained aerial phenomenon. And with some of his tax dollars, we bought some of his warehouses where he's now holding uh, relics and artifacts, um, debris from other sightings. And according to one of the New York Times articles that I that I read, this could open up several different territories for for new industry, including alloys and building materials that are beyond our imagination now. I mean, I mean, according to one of these articles, somebody had figured out a way to perfectly mesh metallic alloy with plastic to make quasi memory miracle metal mm-hmm. is a is a best way to say it. And this is the same stuff that we were talking about during our previous Roswell shows. Yeah, and I, I have to think that that material, whatever it is, is, is reverse engineered from from the debris that they found at various... I mean, Roswell was not the only crash site. There's been many, uh, probably some that we don't even know about. There's there's numerous ones all, all around the planet, really. So I'd have to think that that's some kind of reverse technology that got, they finally figured out what it was composed of and how to create it or recreate it, I guess. So that that's kind of interesting, but um, the the big question in my mind, and, and there's there's some discussion about this, I guess, within the UFO uh, knowledge base, the community that looks into these kind of things and pays attention to them, um, is is this a step in in disclosure? That that's the question I. Well, let's I'm posing. Let's let's ask Walter Bosley, and I have a screen capture of his comment, mm-hmm. and it's in our it's in our show yeah. page. This is for um, uh, Metaphysical Connection episode seventy two, um, and Walter Bosley had had said openly, people. I mean, and I'm paraphrasing. This is not disclosure. This is another giant leap forward towards disclosure. That's, that's what I think too. I agree with him. I, I think he's a good authority. I mean, I think he's, I mean, he's worked in the government in, in a lot of different capacities, so he's got some sense of how all that stuff goes, right? You know, and I think he's right. I think this is just one step. It's just they're still tenderizing. You know, it's a, it's another tenderizing blow. I think toward, that the, I think getting where they need to want to go. I, I think that I, I think that and and we actually have the name in one of the articles because the thing is is that who is one of the gentlemen who was actually working at the Pentagon and according to the New York Times and I'm going to just keep saying this this was an article in the New York Times right. it, uh, um the Washington Post and Not the, the National Sh- Enquirer followed up with their own articles I mean mainstream media hard-hitting, real, authentic newspapers from all around the United States have been doing their own follow-up stories. And apparently there was a um, somebody who worked in the Pentagon in the innermost, what is it, the E-ring or the D-ring, 
top floor. He, he had his own office. He was responsible for gathering up all the information that the military had been gathering on these unexplained aerial phenomenons, mm-hmm. gathering up all the debris. Uh, no, uh, you mean, are we talking about the whistleblower within the Pentagon? Oh, is that where it came from? Is it yes. Because, oh, okay. No, I didn't. I guess I didn't follow your line of thought. This and and this and I, and I will I will put in his name later in the show here. But he came right out and he had said um, his entire goal was total disclosure. Mm-hmm. And Harry Reid and Mr. Bigelow themselves said, "Let's not do it all at once." Yeah. Little little bits and dribs and drabs, right. which leads me back to Grant Cameron and has is Grant Cameron part of the disclosure movement? Are they using him and his influence to get the word out about what's what's going on? Yeah, in, it's hard to say. I don't know. He's he's a pretty really smart guy, so I I'm, I don't think too many people are going to pull the wool over his eyes, but. Um, who knows? You never, you, well, know, you never know about this kind of stuff. Well, here's a great idea. Why don't we back up for a second, and why don't why don't you explain who Grant Cameron is? Well, we we had him as a guest on what? How many shows back was that? It's quite know. a few. Yeah, uh, he he's been involved with UFO um, attempts at disclosure, I guess, for probably thirty years at least. Um, and and he's written numerous books about UFOs and you know what what are they what they aren't those kinds of things. He's he's a renowned, well-read, well-written person in this field. So you know he he's somebody that um, he he started with UFOs when he was a teenager. There were there was he lived in he's Canadian and the town that he lived in had all these sightings, uh, a flurry of sightings um, for a period of time. And then, then it kind of stopped happening, um, but that was his that was his initial foray into the field, and and he's been at it ever since. Um, he's he's had a number of what he calls downloads about uh, on information and things like that that have come to him, <clears throat> which have turned into books. He's he's written numerous, numerous books. He's a very bright and, and um, educated, well well spoken person. Um, if anybody that really wants to delve into him can go back and listen to our show that we did with him. But he, he seems like he would, could be a point person for disclosure. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Eric? Here, so here, here's, here's how quickly the story is evolving while Walt and I are um, recording this show. Um, Thursday, December 20th. There have been a handful of other news stories that have come out and all others neil degrasse tyson has spoken out about this and he says you know i really he really hopes that they are investigating ufos but he hopes that he does it with you know the the eye focused solely on um on just the science and not sort of let's let's just do mere the, the 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 science and not just the science fiction just the facts just the facts but that's his, the way he thinks. You know, that's his. Ralph Blumenthal is the one who did, who has been writing a lot about this extensively mm-hmm. um, from the New York Times. And he actually wrote a behind the scenes story where it's just like says, hey, listen, we know that this sounds really crazy for the New, for the New York Times. And he goes on to d- illustrate exactly how did they go back and, you know, 
actually vet every aspect of this news story and even reached out to Harry Reid. And what Harry Reid said when he was asked by the New York Times, I thought was just like, he's not he's not embarrassed and he's not shocked that the words got out. He's he's actually quite proud of the... Harry Reid? Yeah, yeah, what yeah, he yeah. started. Yeah, he is. yeah he's, he's not trying to diminish his role in it or anything. No, he's not right at all. He's right up front with it, so... I don't know. Maybe maybe that's something that he feels is you know really important, and he wants to be upfront about it. Maybe as upfront as a politician can be. But I do think that there are that going, there's got to be something else behind it. You know, there always is. There are going to be critics of this entire program who are going to look at this and they're going to say, "Well, wait a minute. Harry Reid's from Nevada. Um, Mr. Bigelow from uh, Bigelow Aerospace. Well, he's from Nevada." A lot of people are going to put two and two together. They're going to say, "Oh, well, now wait a minute. Is this just a a a, a boondoggle, a tax spent tax dollar spending boondoggle that we have no business spending dollars in on?" Like for example, you know, at at my uh, at my second job, I was actually talking to a customer at the hardware and feed store um, where I work, and um, and and this guy was like, he was upset that we're spending this money on this. And the thing is, is that what about it, the, it's like two or three trillion dollars we lost in Iraq. Well, who cares about that? Well, about that? No, of course not. Yeah. But he was really upset that we're spending twenty two yeah, million dollars of, of Short, his tax dollars. Yeah, Short sighted. He probably didn't pay that much into it. But anyway, doesn't matter. Um, it is what it is. It's it's something that I, I want to know when we're going to get the full package of, of what the study has found. Is there any indication of that? Absolutely not. Yeah, there right. is no, there's no timetable. I've seen, we've gotten some glimpses and I think some um, audio recordings of pilots yeah. talking. And we saying, have audio visual of pilots who have actually chased some of these things mm-hmm. in, for as long as they could. Well, they couldn't keep up with them. Yeah, they, they were traveling at speeds that were just way beyond what. Um, typical aircraft can, even military aircraft can. But that begs the, that begs the question. And if we can just, I hate to use this phrase, if we can just get down to earth for a second, mm-hmm. what's what's the rational explanation of what these things are? Because the, the military doesn't know what they are. Well, so they say. So they say, yeah. but the pilots don't know At what they're chasing. At least some portion of the military doesn't. I think there's a, a section of the military that knows what they are. Either They're either part of some alternative program that they have, um, i.e. secret space program, or some kind of testing of some alternative propulsion type of things. Um, I think it's pretty clear that there is some experimentation being done with alternate forms of propulsion, whether it's anti-gravity or um, something that the Nazis were working on, um, which could have been anti-gravity, um, or some kind of just really extreme advanced propulsion based on some kind of different fuel or something like that. Hard, hard to say exactly what it is, but there, there's definitely something there that, like I said earlier, these are, these are either alien craft or there's some kind of experimental craft that, that our military or some other military is working on or some combination thereof. I want to read this paragraph here and see, well, these, not just this one paragraph, these three paragraphs and, and see if whether or not, Uh, we should be concerned about this. This is from the New York Times, Washington. In the $600 billion annual Defense Department budget, the 
$22 million spent on the Advanced Aerospet Threat Identification Program was almost impossible to find, which is how the Pentagon wanted it. For years, the program investigating reports of unidentified flying objects, according to the Defense Department officials, interviews with the program participants and records attained by the New York Times. It was run by a military intelligence official, Louis, I'm going to butcher this poor guy's last name, Elizondo, on the fifth floor of the Pentagon C-Ring, deep within the building's maze. The Defense Department has never before acknowledged the existence of the program, which it says was shut down in 2012. But its backers say that while the Pentagon ended the funding for the effort at the time, the program remains in existence. For the past five years, the officials say, the program officials with the program have con continued to investigate episodes brought to them by several members while also carrying out other defense department duties new york times mm -hmm. well you notice they put the word threat in there yeah because that kind of justifies it for the for the pentagon to be looking into it if it's a threat just throw it throw around the word threat or right, defense right. or or it's it's kind of what they always do rather than just studying it for the sake of like Figure out what this is. Exactly. Know? Yeah, I don't know. So I guess the the real question is this: is this a step on the way to disclosure? And um, numerous people, and we've talked about this before, have said that it's not going to come all in one no. leap. You know, you're not going to one day turn on CNN or something and have the president um, standing at the at a podium with an alien. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it may may be hard to tell the difference between the two, but yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there it is. But anyway, at this point, I want to unveil my new T-shirt. All right, here to we Eric go. And to the world. I think it's a, this is a good sign. I'm going to have to take a photo of this. Uh, so it's got a picture of an alien on it, of course. And what does it say, Eric? Can you read it? Eric? <laughs> <laughs> want to share it with our listeners? Eric? It's, it's a picture of an alien. <laughs> flanked by two flying saucers and it says don't take me to your leader <laughs> <laughs> great gift from a friend of mine for christmas <laughs> i like it. it so much that i decided to wear it for the show today <laughs> walt walt's been wearing this the entire time and hasn't bothered to say anything about it once <laughs> i was under my shirt <laughs> i didn't want to unveil it in the restaurant where we went for breakfast <laughs> that would be an interesting conversation yeah, it would be yeah Mommy, why is that strange man undressing in the middle of the restaurant? Oh, uh, yeah. So what do you think about other people's attitudes about this, though? Because, I mean... All, all across the board. It's, it's all, you know, there's a spectrum of people who, who, like this guy that's, you know, why are we spending our tax dollars on that, you know? And all the way up to people who think it's probably the, the you know, the, the beginning of disclosure. Right. Full disclosure. You know, we... I think we're I think we're being set up for that. I do. I think in many ways. Yeah. Themes of movies and and our culture is just moving in that direction. Um, the big the big reveal is going to be the fact that they know about alternative forms of energy. Yes. That, that's the big that's the biggie. Because then people are going to I mean thinking people are going to have to say well okay then why are we still polluting the atmosphere. Why are we still using, fossil, using fuels fossil fuels with when we the have all these other possibilities? You know? Why else are we using fossil fuels um, and not these alternative fuel sources that they may already know about other than 
protecting and preserving the paradigm that exists yeah, today. The, the big oil companies and blah blah blah. And and there's going to be have to be some kind of a a flip on that when that comes into. They're they're going to have a spin on that or something um, to cover that up to cover up the fact that they knew about this alternative energy since. Who knows when? For a while now. Yeah, at least since probably the 40s, I would say. Yeah. If not, you know, maybe the 50s, I don't know. They've known about it for quite a while. And like Ju- not, way yeah. back in July mm, uh, 6th, 7th, 8th, 47, 47 maybe? Yeah, but I don't, I don't think at that point they really knew what, what the uh, propulsion system was. I think it took them a while to study it and reverse engineer it and... But we started seeing stuff from that, I think, in yeah. the, like early 60s, maybe late 50s with microwave technology. And, um, but I, I think they've somehow figured out what the propulsion system is. And, and maybe that'll maybe they'll just stick to that, keeping it as propulsion. We'll see. I guess we'll just see what happens. I, I want to interject something here, and it's going to sound like it's, it's a non sequitur. But I do think that it's kind of important to sort of stop and think about. There was once a time that you could never question authority. You could never question the government. You could never question the church. Well, well people generally thought that those agencies were there to protect us. Right. And to do right by us. And we're, you know, we're figuring out painfully that that's just not the case. It's, it's, that's, that's not what's happening. Yeah. They're, they're there to protect some other interest other than the majority of the people. Yeah. Uh, and I, and, and I want to use this as an example of how people are not um, submitting to authority figures the way that they did. Just reading the outrage of, the, of people out there towards and what people are saying with the death of, of Cardinal Law from the Boston Archdiocese and how people are not putting up with the same old same old people are not putting up with the notion of well it's the church hey what are you going to do there you know it's who are we to question the church what are you basing that on well the people's reactions on twitter and people's Mm -hmm. reactions on facebook people are outraged the fact that he escaped justice there used to be a time in my life when i was much younger you would never ever question the authority yeah true of i don't think it's quite enough though i think a true questioning of, of that authority. And this is coming from a person that's not, I'm not a follower of any particular religion. I'm, I'm a spiritual person, I'm not a religious person. I've said that many times. But the people that are Catholics should be leaving, or, or at least at the very least threatening to leave that institution in wholesale numbers. Right. Which in essence will, it's like going on strike sort of. Yeah. You know, nothing's going to get produced by the Catholic Church, although they probably have some unbelievable amount of money socked away. Sure. Um, just the real estate holdings and stuff that they have. But that would threaten the paradigm if they didn't have the income that they get off of people going to church every Sunday. Sure. You know, that's a huge portion of where they get their money from. But at what point, <clears throat> at what point, or have we reached this point all, already where wholesale revolt a wholesale no. civil war no. against the establishment Not even close. or are people just so pacified with you know marketing and advertising totally. by this new coke totally. by this new car by mm-hmm. this new and people are chasing these if you just buy enough of all this stuff mm-hmm. you'll be happy 
And what you know, and the thing is that it's like I, I do think that there's a schism that's being created in society where you have one group of people who are who are using social media to say, okay, yeah, that's that's bad and all like that, but let's talk about American Idol. And then you have the other half of the people who are like us who are saying we need to really sort of open our eyes and look mm-hmm. at what's really going on. And the thing is, is that for decades, we were mocked for saying the Pentagon has the secret program. We were mocked for saying, talking about UFOs landing in the desert and stuff like that and the government being wrapped up. Now it comes out that all some of the people who have been mocking us for talking about these things well now they're in the wrong yeah. obviously clearly there's yeah. a paradigm shift going but, it, but it's still setting up um a, a situation where you have two groups at odds with each other a dialectic yeah and and that's what the powers to be want they don't care what the two sides are it doesn't matter what the issue is to them all they want to do is keep people at each other's throats and, in essence, keep them from really viewing reality as it, as it is. What, right. What they really, what kind of game they're really playing with people. And as long as people are arguing with each other over who cares what it is, whether it's who won the game on Sunday or, or who should have won on American Idol or whatever the issue is that people can find odds with each other yeah. over then they're getting what they want. As long as we have no ability to see that for what it is and realize that what that's doing is creating negative energy. Right. Um, which, you know, we've talked about the archons before, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, I think, during yep. this show, is is they're feeding off of our negative energy, off of yeah. our fear. You know, it's, it's what they do. A collective fear. Right. So that... Um, you know, by setting up that that equation where you have one side, you know, it's 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 either Democrats and Republicans, or it's black blacks and or minorities and whites, or it's male and female. It's all the same. You know, we're we're not <laughs> we're not pulling in the same direction. No, we're and not, they, and they don't want us to. No, that's, that's what they're that's what they're accomplished. That's what they're getting. They're getting what they want. Yeah, by us doing that. So. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to throw it out to our listeners to, to work um, toward, you know, looking at other people's point of view and saying, well, you know, maybe there's a point to that. They're not a total idiot for thinking that way. No. Well, I mean, maybe some people you might think that, but there's always a little bit of something that's shared. That's There's some yeah. commonality, you know, and that's, I think, what we should look for. Maybe Christmas time is a good time to do that. You know, yeah. people are feeling a little bit more inclined toward... Um, <clears throat> brotherhood and sisterhood yeah. and, and spirituality and i think that humanhood this is, i guess this is the ultimate season for uh for spirituality and and being able to just put your let your defenses down and like let the the notion of the supernatural being just a part of our everyday life right. and let it in a little and and try to get past um trampling somebody in the store to get the last big screen tv that exactly you know exactly i mean does anybody need a tv that bad you i don't know, know. If, you, if you need it that bad like it's yours take it you know that's the way i feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know this is a good time i think to talk about christmas what the, the tradition of christmas really is is about reflection reflecting yeah. on you know and it's certainly not 
certainly not demonstrated too much in, in this era. But in past eras, Christmas was much different than it is now. Yeah. And even in Victorian times, it was which must it was much simpler. You know, and and now it's just it's just a big commercial fiasco. You know, people going out and trying to get the latest toy and this and that and trying to do all these things that are nice gestures, but it really doesn't amount to all that much. No, it doesn't. You know, uh, I, I think it's it's good to hearken back to to Christmas past when it, Christmas was really about reflecting on on your past year, and and maybe that's more New Year's now, but but think about what happened during the year leading up to Christmas and what are some things that maybe you did well and maybe some things that you could improve upon and and really reflect on all the all the simple things that you have all this, all the good things that you have uh, whether it's family or you know a pet that you really care about or something there's Ricky he's around mm-hmm. here somewhere uh, I, I think people should approach Christmas that way yeah you know and instead of getting caught up in how many gifts you get and or give and Blah blah blah. That 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 is nice for that for that minute period of time where you're opening gifts and stuff like that. But it kind of goes away, and December twenty seventh or so, it sort of loses its blush. You know, yeah, once, yeah. Once you've used your new video game fifty fifty thousand times or whatever, you know. So, I don't know. What do you think, Eric? What's your? I no. I think that the greatest gift that we can give each other is returning back to the original spirit of Christmas. Yeah, and the, the original meaning of the holiday um even before christmas was christmas you know i'm I'm talking about every ancient religion had a um had a has or had a uh a celebration Mm -hmm. around the winter solstice and it was a time of renewal to, to kind of renew your yourself and your your bonds with other people and things like that you know so if you can look at things that way i think it's a little healthier yeah and, and maybe a little more ap- appropriate for, for and, the big picture i think the most important thing is 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 to just appreciate the people in your lives and, and realize this is a very special moment that we have right now and right. it's it's not ever going to come back mm-hmm. again right you know you may be with the same people again in a future moment in your life maybe even you know next christmas 2018 you might be with these people again but as far as no i mean christmas 2017 is never going to ever come back it'll never be quite the same and we need to appreciate it it may be better it may not be as good exactly it's never going to be exactly the same as it is at this point you know and i've thought back to you know now that i'm getting older i've thought back to my parents are both passed on and my sister just passed away not too long ago so I, I'm reflecting back on Christmas's past and, and thinking that, um, you know, it, they they were really very special. And at the time, I didn't, of course, I was younger, but I probably didn't appreciate it as much yeah. as I do now, you know, having not have the ability to spend that time with those people anymore. You know, so just something to think about. I, I don't want to get too philosophical here, but I do think that before mm-hmm. we take a break, I do want to share an experience with you that I had this past weekend. Um, as a lot of people know, this is the first Christmas after my father passed away. Right. And what my father and I used to do when we were living what he called high on the hog is that when we would go to Dunkin' Donuts, we would buy a cup of coffee for everybody in line behind us. That's cool. And 
Uh, it was yeah, just it's a good idea. I like that. And and every once in a while, I will like if I I will I will just do it at random. I will mm-hmm. buy coffee for whoever is behind me in line and right. just and just leave and not say mm-hmm. anything. Um, and the guy says, "Oh, by the way, I'm going to get ten breakfast sandwiches." <laughs> <laughs> I said a cup of coffee. I didn't say. So uh, this past weekend, when I was working at the hardware and feed store, um, I was. Uh, I was taking care of a woman's order and her, her card wasn't working. Every mm-hmm. time she tried to scan it, use the chip, whatever, it was not working. Right. And the woman behind her had said, you know what? Let me buy, let me take care of her order. Mm-hmm. And that was like, wow, that's, that's such an amazing thing. That's, and the woman who was the recipient of this said, why, why would you, why would you do such a thing? And she said, well, a couple Christmases back, I was at Dunkin' Donuts, and this this old old dude with his son, who wore this crazy brown hat, bought coffee for everybody in line in Dunkin' Donuts. I never, I never forgot about that, and I always wanted to pay it forward. Cool. And before she, you know, and before she left, she said, "Eric, you're not the only one with a soft heart here in this town." Yeah, that's cool. And it was just, and I, I broke down. I cried. I was yeah. a little emotional over it. And uh, you, you don't know. Cry when... into the card reader. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't work anymore. I, but, I, wrote, a, I wrote a Christmas story once. Um, and the, and the, the main character in the story would find an excuse to go to the grocery store every Christmas Eve, um, you know, for wrapping paper or something. Yeah. And, and he would look around and look for the people who had the most groceries in a cart that looked like they couldn't really afford to buy them. Right. You know? And he would stand near the checkout line and pay for their order anonymously. Right. And that was that was the opening to the story, and then it sort of went on from there. But um, I just thought that would be like, I mean, I've never done it myself, but I just thought that would be a nice thing to do, you know. To and I, Of course, the story didn't get published. but you That's know, not the whatever. point. No, that's not the point. Um, but I thought it would be a nice thing for people to think about. Even if you just think about doing that, even if you don't really have the money to do that, it would be, it would just make those people's Christmas in some way or some shape or form, you know. Do you know what happened last so, Christmas? I don't. Do you remember when I, I had to replace the power supply for the old soundboard? Oh, I do, I do, yeah. And it was when the you, wrong you ampers. And you fried it. And I fried it. Yeah. And I bought this replacement right. and it turned out to be trash. It was a knockoff. I remember that. And my wife turned around and bought the one that we're using now, which yeah, is that's pretty nice. Ten times larger right. than the than the one that we had before. And it was like I never forgot that. My wife just my wife is amazing and the thing is is that she's the spirit of Christmas for me. That's cool. So Mrs. Claus. Mrs. Mrs. Claus. Mrs. Claus. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, before we take a break, I have to give Eric his Christmas present. I've been waiting patiently for this. <laughs> or impatiently. I will say Walt has been doing nice things like this. Well, wait, wait till you open it, Eric, before you classify it. Holy cow! Oh, wow! Hey! <laughs> Crystal head vodka. <laughs> it's a crystal skull filled with vodka. It's awesome. <laughs> and I guarantee, Eric, if you if you drink enough of that, that skull will talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's talking to me now. You want to hear it? Open me. Open me. Sip me. You know. You know. And that's going to go. Do, that's going to go in a very special place in my house. 
Where is that? <laughs> right next to the rest of the liquor bottles. <laughs> right, but that's a special one. This is a special one. So Walt and I are going to take a break, and and we're gonna we're gonna tank up, and uh, we'll be back, and we're gonna be we're gonna be revisiting the moon. Oh yeah. So, and uh, and we're also gonna. <laughs> my werewolf impression. And we're also gonna be Ricky talking going? about. <laughs> I bet you. I bet you. If you try hard enough, you can get Ricky going. Battling daily whip fever? Sadly, there is no cure, only treatment. More whips. This podcast is brought to you by the Trinity Whip Company, proudly bringing you traditionally made kangaroo whips with top quality craftsmanship in form as well as function, handcrafted by Blake Brunnen. You can find them at www.trinitywhipco.com and on the Metaphysical Connection main page. Again, before we get started here, I just wanted to just um, talk for a moment here about. I've been looking at this picture behind your head. Um, it's a painting of the cityscape. Yeah. And I can only guess maybe that might be in Boston um, around. Um, geez, maybe Newberry Street in Boston? It, or it could be. The, the artist is a friend of ours, he, he does paint in Boston. Uh, it could be New York too. I'm not sure. I yeah. think that one's New York. But the thing is, sure. is that it was just like it signifies something that, um, you know, that's that's a moment in time that will never never come again. What's that? Just just that whole thing where it's like those people were at that that moment in time that was captured on paint. Mm-hmm. And probably didn't even know they were captured. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. You, you never you never know when you are in in a very special moment most of the time until it's gone and it takes right. once in a while it's like you do realize this is a very special moment and 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 embrace it and enjoy it while it lasts right. so the second half of the show also is it, it's going to harken back a little bit to a previous show that we did on synchronicity because walt and i were talking about doing doing another show on the moon and walt was reading from this book and some notes that he had gathered and I was reading some notes that I was gather that I gathered as well on a book written by Christopher Knight I don't think it's the same Christopher Knight from the Brady Bunch I might I might be mm, wrong probably not but it's who built the moon mm-hmm. and this is one of those books that will change the way that you look at the night sky and I think that this is it would it would have been nice to have had the author of this book here to do the show with us but we also get some other things going on as well. And Walt is also going to bring up his favorite A word a couple of times. Oh, no question. <laughs> without, without a doubt. No doubt, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so get your, get your bells all warmed up. Right. So um, Rub your bells, get them warmed up. So the name of the book is Who Built the Moon? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like a crazy title. But when you get into like the third or fourth chapter, you realize this is this is a question that's li- that's been around for a very long mm-hmm. time and a very valid one, I think. When and you start looking at the moon and its relationship to the Earth, it's it, very strange. It's a very <clears throat> and we've not we've ha- we have not been able to find a duplicate relationship with an Earth and Moon like our Earth and Moon with right. all of our. Right. 
and not that we've really studied that hard. Well, we yet. don't have we that are, many examples, but right. um, it's just not, it's unlike anything in our solar system, and there are other planets, obviously, that have moons, <clears throat> but they're very much, much different than our moon and, and what our moon serves as, serves as it, it serves a very big function for the Earth, right. which we're going to get into during the show. So where do you want to start with this? Well, let's start with the this beginning. Moon, moonly topic. This lunatic, I'm being lunatic, followed by a moon shadow. Lunatic topic. Yeah, the lunatic topic. Um, and this is this is a topic literally for lunatics. Um, so the premise of it is, um, I feel like we should clue in this the sound clip from Alec Guinness, you know, and Harrison Ford from Star Wars, and they say. You know, he's heading towards that small moon. That's no moon. That's a space station. Yeah. And the thing is, is that... That's interesting. That, <laughs> interesting that Lucas used that. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and the thing is, is that if we, look at, if we look at the entire moon scientifically and mathematically, it doesn't make a, make a lot of sense. How could something that size be in orbit so close to us? Right. It doesn't make sense. The size ratio is right. totally off. Right. And how is it that we live in this certain point in time when the Earth is eclipsed by the moon? It fits perfectly. The the the, the moon perfectly blots out the sun. Right. If you, if you look at the Earth, I mean, if you look at the moon from Earth and look at the sun from Earth, they look to be exactly the same size. Yeah. Because of the distance, you know, the, yeah. the perspective. Um, and the, the mathematics are amazing too. Right. Um, the, the moon is one four hundredth the size of the sun. Okay. And um, it's one four hundredth distance between the earth and the sun. It's one four hundredth of the amount of distance between the earth and the sun. Okay. So that's... Right, that that just that in itself is is an amazing fact. What would be anomaly. the sci- What would be the scientific explanation for that? For that synchronicity. I don't think there is one. I mean, it's just the way it is. It just exists the way it is. It's just unusual that you would have that equation set up if it was just a random yeah. placement. I mean, there's a couple of different theories as to how the moon got there. I think there's three major ones. Uh, one is that there, that it was captured by the Earth, that it was just kind of floating around and, and it came into the gravitational field of the Earth and the Earth right. kind of snagged it. But <clears throat> it's too big. Yeah. The size is too big for that. Yeah. Um, and another one is that it, it's a piece of the Earth that broke off, that some kind of a there right. was some kind of huge meteor right. um, explosion. Um, <clears throat> and that doesn't really make sense either. Number one, it's perf- almost perfectly round. Well, you you could you, know. you could make the the excuse that over billions of years gravity would have fixed that problem. Well, with the maybe, roundness. maybe. But some of the other moons are like around the other planets are not anything near round. They're big, kind of just chunks of rock. Sure, you know. Ir- but there irregular, are but you you regular chunks of rock. There are other moons that are also. Spherical as well. Okay. Well, I didn't know finding, that. you know, find example, Titan around Saturn. That's a practically a perfect. Is it? Okay. And another thing is that they, um, um, there's two, what is it? There's two, two similar of a composition for it to be, to, for it to have been part of Earth. Right. The, um, 
the isotopes or something that they found in the moon rocks yeah kind of belie the fact that it could be part of sure earth's surface at one point in time so that's <clears throat> that's probably not a, a very valid but we'll, but, but we we will talk about the moon's surface later on in the show mm -hmm. and i think that's mm -hmm. this is a very huge important aspect yeah of what, it all. what is the surface what what actually is it and what's um, what's it comprised of right and and they they did some when when the astronauts were were on the moon um they they gathered moon rocks and they they did a lot of tests and things they brought some of that stuff back and um one thing they did which was was kind of interesting is that they put seismographs out yes. to measure um, vibrations well, of course like they that. do that but what they plan i don't know whether they planned this or or didn't plan it but when they took off the the stage that they used to launch with dropped off right and crashed into the moon and the, the moon actually rang like a bell this happened a lot as well yeah so that kind of points to the fact that it's a hollow body sure which is you know taking that into consideration um that kind of almost means that it's that it's not a, it's not a, it's an artificial satellite again yes right? because it's hollow inside if it was a normal planetoid type of body it wouldn't be hollow there'd be no reason for it to right be hollow. it would just be solid plus the 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 mass of it is much much less than the Earth, you know, much less than the comparison of the size. I think the moon is one third the size yeah. of the Earth, uh, just diameter wise. Yeah. And the mass is way, way less than that. It you doesn't think, weigh you, as you, heavy you as the standard reason the mass would be one third of the Earth's, and it's it's like one eighty seventh of the of the Earth's density or something. So it's way, way less than than what it should yeah. be if it was solid. So. There's there's a lot of astronomers that have come up come to the conclusion that in, in some shape or form it's a hollow body, which yeah. which is very unusual. Again, which <clears throat> stands to reason. Right. How did it become like that? How did it get there? Well, that's the whole thing. The uh, the guy um, that is is sort of the main guy that with folklore um, is a Zulu shaman. Okay. Named uh, we've mentioned him before, Credo Mutwa. Yes, I think he may have passed away. He, he was he was getting pretty old. Um, David Ike has done a lot of work with him, and uh, he they classify the moon as an egg, and um, Ike was perplexed by that. He didn't know, you know, in their folklore, why would they call the why why would they call the moon an egg? And he said it's because the yolk has been taken out. Um, okay, and, <laughs> and, and he says that there were two brothers. Yep. This is in Zulu folklore now. Reptilian brothers um, that actually brought the moon, del delivered the moon, and, and the Zulu talk about a time on Earth before the moon. They have a they have a mythology around that. Okay, that there was a period of time on Earth before the moon was here, which is kind of unusual. Okay, um, so there were apparently were there numerous cultures around the world that talk about a pre-moon uh, type of existence. Well, let's stop and stop and think about this for a minute. Yeah. If the moon has always been there, since the since even before humans walked the earth or before dinosaurs walked, well, the supposedly, earth, anyway. how is it that they can actually have a folklore about unless they're just stories? And well, why we would, don't know. We don't know. And why would so many cultures have folklore about 
the night sky before the moon. Yeah, well, it's out there. You know, it's out there in, in numerous cultures that there's a pre-moon, uh, pre-moon civilizations. So, so uh, Credo Mutwa says that there were these two reptilian brothers um, that actually brought the moon here. Um, now, that sounds suspiciously like two friends of ours, <laughs> <laughs> Anki and Enlil, who are Anunnaki. <laughs> get, get the bell warmed up. There's there. the bell. There's the bell. So this kind of fits in with the, with the whole uh, Anunnaki Sumerian story of, of um, you know, very, very early times in our yeah. development earthly development uh now a lot of there's there's a lot of conjecture also with azulu that um the moon was brought here for a reason it was it was brought brought here to to alter the the planet um and and there's i think it's in the sumerian tablets that that anki was actually the 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 person he was a he was a scientist and he terraformed the planet right and if if you look at what the impact the moon has on on the Earth, right, um, it does have a big impact because it's so close to it and it's such a large object. It it has effect on the tides and, and yeah, how the rivers flow. And so there's thinking that before the moon arrived, the, the Earth was basically pretty much of a desert planet. Sure. And then the the moon, uh, or whatever the moon is, arrived and it had actually had a cloud of uh, moisture around it. <clears throat> which when it came into Earth's orbit, it, the Earth's gravitational pull drew the moisture off of it and went to, to Earth, and which is the, the genesis of the flood story. That's right. where that wool, that water came okay. from. And in essence, what that did was it created, it made, turned Earth into a water planet, which, which changed all of the configuration of the planet and you know, the, the tilt of the planet, which is... Which is twenty three degrees yeah. from its you know on its axis, um, which is pretty much the perfect angle for creating an Earth like planet. Right for seasons. I mean, you need <clears throat> yeah, seasons. seasons too. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. So there's a lot. Of, I think a lot of evidence there that there's something going on as to why the, why the moon was brought here, if in fact it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and getting back to what I had mentioned earlier, there are a lot of things about the composition of the surface of the moon that does not make a lot of sense. Right. Like there is an overly abundance, uh, abundant amount of titanium and a lot of other heavy elements that you can only make in a nuclear reactor. If mm-hmm. anything, it's almost as if the moon is covered with the radioactive waste of nuclear reactors from tens of thousands of years ago. Or maybe that was part of the process of it being hollowed out. Maybe the, the core was hollowed out. And turned into some kind of covering. Yeah, it's 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 a, apparently the the crust of the of the of the moon is only about twenty to thirty miles. Yeah, um, and then after that, it's either just hollow or there's some kind of caverns in it or something. Um, and then it's covered with um, there's a term for what the dust that the the lunar dust. <laughs> no, there's, no, there's an actual term for it. I forget right. what it is, but. Um, so who knows what that is? Is that something that was put on there to make it look less artificial? Or was it something that was pulled in by its gravity? Yeah. Um, we don't know for sure. I think this is where it's like we want to also pull back in the book, uh, Who Built the Moon? 
mm-hmm. by Christopher Knight. And a lot of the whole conjecture is that there is sort of like an underground movement within mainstream a science or lunar, not lunar archaeology, but... Um, lunar geology, maybe? Yeah, lunar geology. <clears throat> Whereas the thing is, is that there's a lot of things that just simply do not make sense. There's also like an, a strange crystalline iridescence to a lot of the, the lunar rocks that they found. Oh, yeah? And, the, I, and I how do you that. explain that? How do you... I don't know. It's, how it's do, an odd thing. How do you explain all, all the crystalline structures within so many of the moon rocks that they've mm-hmm. had? And there's, a, and there's a crystalline property to the moon dust itself. Well, we've talked on previous shows about the properties of crystals and what, yeah. you know, in terms of pulling in frequencies and, and those kinds of things. So maybe that's part of the whole thing, too. That, that's a huge part of yeah. it. Um, another thing that's interesting is the fact that um, you have these huge craters... Um, and they're actually quite shallow for, yes. for the size of the crater. So, in other words, if you took a if you took a meteor that's um, you know say a mile across, right. let's just for conjecture, and it hits the moon or hits anything, it's going to create a very deep hole. You'd think you would think you know, but the craters on the moon are very shallow, and not only are they shallow, but they're also um, convex, meaning they're outwardly shaped or they're flat. There's no concave. Well, there's not enough concave as, there, as you'd think as that you there would should think be. For the weight of the object that hit it, yeah. And, you know, with the Earth, uh, the Moon not having an atmosphere, that, that, that thing's going to be coming in there at a pretty good pace, you know, you figure. Yeah. Um, and there's no stopping or, it until it... No, there's no friction, really. So it's going to hit it full, full tilt, you know. And that should create a pretty, pretty deep hole, you would think. But apparently there's a solid mask there. Yeah. It's like... It's like something hitting a bowling ball, you know, as opposed to say like a uh, softly deflated basketball. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's it's gonna it's not gonna it's gonna bounce off basically, without doing a whole lot right. of damage. You know. So there's another reason to think that there's something strange going on. Yeah. And plus the fact that it rings like a bell. <laughs> you know? So I mean, when you think about the structure of a bell, it's a skin with a with an area right. in the open in the middle. If that was a solid piece of metal. Or whatever, and you hit it with something, it wouldn't. It would it make a ring. clunk. It wouldn't make a boom. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't make a, a resonant tone. Yeah. Like, the, like apparently the moon does, and apparently when those when the, the that happened twice when there were moon landers, when they took off, they you know they dropped the stage off and it hit the hit the moon with a resounding thud and and the the thing reverberated according to the seismographs for hours and hours and hours. And they're also like. <clears throat> probes that we have sent to the moon that crash into the moon mm-hmm. as well on purpose. Right. And that's one of those things where it's like the Russians have also studied the ringing of the moon. Yeah. And a lot and there's been a lot of conjecture whereas is that at some point with all these countries agreeing that there's something strange going on the moon that leads to another question which is if we all agree there's something weird going on the moon, how yeah. come we're not going back to the moon well, and trying to get to the yeah, bottom of it? You wonder about that. I mean, they, NASA had some nonsense about um, people not really being interested in the moon. <laughs> there was too much of their budget and blah, blah, blah. Well, really? I don't think so. There's something way more behind it than that. Um, you know, another anomaly is the fact that it's in a, a tidal lock orbit, Yeah, which is, which is kind of unusual. 
um, which means that we only ever see one right. side of the moon, which is which right. leads to the notion that there's a dark side of the moon, right? Um, which really isn't either true either. It's really not. It's really it should be really called the far side. of The, the far moon. side of the moon. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> which we don't ever see. Right. Now that's an unusual anomaly. That that doesn't happen very often. Uh, so that means one side of the moon, we don't have any idea what's going on there. Um, there could be, who knows what there, there could be a base, base, either ancient base or current base, or, or there could be an entrance to how you get inside the moon, which apparently is where a lot of this stuff could be going on if there is in fact. And looking at the re research from prior episodes or the prior episode that we did on the moon, mm -hmm. one of the things that we did discuss earlier is that there are strange artifacts on the far side of the moon mm -hmm. not the dark There's side of the moon. some on the on the on the light side there are strange artifacts and anomalies right. that we was, just going back to in in recent history in 1953 there was an astronomer who was watching the moon and he saw a bridge appear yeah uh, through his telescope and then all of a sudden it was gone Both. so how do you figure that how much Jim Bean did he have that night? <laughs> I don't know. He, no, he, he watched it for a couple of days, actually. He actually watched it, to, you know, it, came, it arrived, it sort of came, and then it went away. Like, what do you mean, a bridge, though? It looks like a bridge. I saw a picture of it. it looks, I mean, it looks like a long bridge that kind of, you know how a drawbridge comes up? Sure. Like that, and then it went back down again, so. What would be the purpose of I that? I have no idea. Or could it he be like a hatch? have any idea either. Could it be a hatch you know, A lot of people thought he up? was crazy, and then other astronomers looked, and they saw it too. You know, so, I don't know. And then in uh, 1970, I guess, two Russian scientists came up with the theory that the moon was, this, this was actually published in a magazine called Sputnik. Right. That the, that the moon was actually an artificial satellite that was brought here for you know, whatever, whatever the purpose was, there's a lot of different conjecture as to what, um, what it might have been brought here for. Right. Um, but it does, and th this precedes the, um, the Death Star in, in, <laughs> yeah. in, in, Star, in Wars, Star Wars, yeah. concept. So who knows, you know, did Lucas maybe use that as part of his did concept? Luke, or did Lucas he, borrow the moon? For well, the, we don't know. There are other anomalies in other moons around the solar system that echo like like the tidal locks, like moons mm -hmm. being tidal locks. And the thing is, is that there are some physicists who say that you can scientifically prove that tidal locking is a natural phenomenon, mm -hmm. that it, it will occur given the, the, the right circumstances. Mm -hmm. There's also some moons that just, that just don't seem to look right, that they do sort of have... Um, strange structure to them right. like this like a strange shape to them mm -hmm. um one of the one of the moons uh, around saturn does kind of have a death star look to it yeah. you know well, it does seem to have like a giant concave dish carved out of it well well the thinking is that the if in fact the, the moon was brought here <clears throat> that it actually had its own propulsion system and its own defenses and, yep. and that kind of thing and that actually was used as a base that the Anunnaki put that bell at. Yeah, there it is. The Anunnaki actually used that as a base to to come and go from the earth and, um, you know, have, have a presence there. Yeah. You know, off, off planet, I guess, maybe in case something happened. It's not an unusual thing to think about. No, it's Because 
Because the thing is, like, if the moon is an artificial structure, it does raise the question of why why was it put there, which we pretty much answered. Is it, it could have been used as a tool. To terraform. To terraform mm-hmm. the earth, to mm-hmm. bring material here to, mm-hmm. you know, to seed life or whatever, for whatever nefarious mm-hmm. purposes. Um, another thought pattern on it is, and this comes from William Tompkins. Do you mm-hmm. know if you heard of him? He he's just recently passed away. He was a whistle. He was a, one of the original whistleblowers. Sure. Um, he says or claimed that he he thought that uh, the moon was actually like a Noah's Ark that went from star system to star system to yeah. to seed planets that could be potential Earth-like planets, mm-hmm. and that by the time it got to Earth, it it pretty much had um, lost its usefulness. Yeah. So it was kind of parked there, you know, like a, kind of like a junk or a junk or, Death Star or something. You know. <laughs> now, you know, while you and I were having breakfast this morning mm-hmm. at Audrey's just down the road here, a little shameless plug. One of the things I had said is that we could also address the fact that it's it was buried in space on purpose, like they just bombarded it with space debris to hide it. Because the thing is, like, if you had this large metallic structure, yeah, obvious, yeah. wouldn't that inspire human beings to get their crap together sooner and send something up there to explore it? Probably, yeah. You know? Yeah, and then, then there's also the concept um, that in 2001 uh, of the Earth being a, sort of a signaling device. Right. You know, so, that, so that when we get there... It'll, it'll go off like sure they're like here like the, I, the they, idea they made it here you know arthur c Clarke and stanley yeah. Kubrick came up with an idea the that monolith. maybe the monolith yeah. and there's something buried under underneath mm-hmm. all that right. that would alert the aliens that hey we've just made a giant leap in our evolution because i mean if you stop and think about it, that is a big deal getting to the moon yeah. getting to yeah. the moon yeah, it shows that we've gotten to a certain point in, sure in our primitive evolution exactly um Another another thing, going back to what Tompkins was saying, was that um, he believed that it also is a depository of many different kinds of species. Yeah. So that when a planet is terraformed, they, these species are put on the planet. And I know I've read that um, there there's a number of species on Earth that people feel did not originate here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there might be something to that, too. So, oh, what, what species? So it's kind of an, kind of an interesting uh, premise. What kind of species do you think did not evolve here on Earth that were seeded from somewhere else? Well, the, the herding uh, animals. Really? Yeah, like sheep and and goats and seriously, really, or, and cattle. Yeah, were brought here from. They, they weren't original to the planet. That is that is a strange sort of thing to think about. Right, but if you think about it, if you wanted to set up a some kind of a manageable. Um, way to subsist, you know to subsist somewhere. You, yeah. you would bring species that would lend themselves to being herded. Well, wouldn't we you know? do that though? Yeah, yeah, I think we would probably. You know, that would be a logical thing. Animals that are, you know, you don't have to tame them; they're they're all, they're all ready to go. You know. Yeah. So. There's also a theory out there that's saying that that human beings and dogs could not have evolved without each other. Like Ricky Nelson would not what have. Do you say about that, Rick? He says that's true. Human beings would not have been able to evolve if it wasn't for dogs helping us protect the tribes, as it were. 
I'm, I'm reading Ricky's mind right now, and he's he's sending me the message that humans would have never survived without dogs. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be you'd be up Shit's Creek without a paddle, without your exactly. Without your I mean, if it wasn't for dogs, predators could just come and go. Yeah, absolutely, and... no warning, not, nothing. You know, no defense mechanisms. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting thought, though. That um, you know, if we if we could go inside the moon to figure out what's in there, if in fact there is stuff there, that we'd find all these species that who knows if there's things on there that we don't even have any idea. What, are things what just could still are things still locked away inside mm-hmm. and just you know in hibernation just well, yeah. in case? There was a, just a story, kind of kind of related to that. Um, some woman just had a baby, 24-year-old woman had a baby um, with an embryo that was frozen for 23 years. Jeez. So, so the embryo was almost as old as she was. Holy cow. So, you know, it's not too much of an extension to think that some higher form of biology could keep something alive, you know, infinitely. Yeah. And who knows what the power source is for the moon, if there, in fact there is one. You know? Well, and this gets back to the first part of the show here, whereas... We know for a fact now that the government has secret space programs, whether or not it's investigating um, unidentified aerial phenomenon mm-hmm. or, okay. something more. or so, something more nefarious like that. We know that there are secret programs that are tr- playing with electromagnetism and manipulating gravity and stuff like that. Where's we, 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 we don't even we know we're only able to see the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Now the thing is, it was just like if there was going to be if the Apollo program, let's say NASA has had just recently, it's supposed to be a spy satellite, mm-hmm. but it's actually like oh I don't know Apollo thirty two or something like that, and they're having archaeological digs underneath the surface of the moon. How would we ever know? Well, you know, uh, well, we wouldn't. When the astronauts went up there, they tried to drill into the moon. Did you Did you hear about that? I did read about that. And there was actually some thinking that they actually could only go down so far, and they got metal shavings when they drilled. So, You'd think that if there was any sort of intelligent life... They would have, you know, sent a, sent sent the janitor out to say, "Hey, guys, can you knock it off?" You know, yeah, or with a magnet to pick up the shavings. Yeah. I don't know. That's I read. I read that though, so that's that's interesting. Um, <clears throat> so you know, and and then there's the whole connection between um, the moon's effect on on humans. This is this is something that's. Yeah. I think this is a little too far for even me. Really? To sort of get a hold of the idea that when the moon is full, it does what now? Well, it, it impacts. Um, one, one of the things it does is it impacts um, menstruation, sure. females' menstruation. Um, and Credo Mutwa, the Zulu uh, shaman, says that before the moon came, um, women did not have a menstrual cycle. Really? That, that's what he says. And he said that was post. Uh, post-arrival of the moon was when women began menstruating. Um, but but it also impacts, well, when you think about that, though, getting back to that little aspect, um, that could impact the uh, fertility yeah. of, the, of the species. You know, how, how often you can uh, fertilize, females can become fertilized. 
yeah. you know, that, that could impact the population and things like that, more or less, you know, depending on how it goes. Um, but what that does is it limits the amount of time, the period of time when women are fertile, mm-hmm. whereas I'm not potentially being fertile all the time. Sure. You know what I mean? So that's a, that's a way to think about it, too, I guess. Are we going to get a lot of nasty messages from feminists out there saying well, that that's not, ridiculous? It's not really anti-feminine. It's possible. I mean, we're not saying that we're not making a comment about it. We're just, you know, I know, we have to be careful with that kind of topic. Are people going to think that, I mean, but are people going to get offended with the notion that aliens are messing with their menstrual cycle and their own reproductive well, rights? Well, it goes back to the fact that we were, we were bioengineered. Sure. Um, and if the Anunnaki were in fact responsible for that, for taking some of their genetics and mixing it into ours and, and creating a hybrid species, which apparently we are, albeit slave species, which I yeah. believe we are, then why would they not control the ability to reproduce as well? I mean, that's, that only goes stands to reason, doesn't it? Or am I off base on that? No, it, it, it stands to reason also that if this is... Like as you say, like an ark, and it and it's responsible for the tides and it's responsible for people's mood swings because apparently during a full moon, strange things happen at night. I just gonna ask, get to, I was just going to get to that. Just ask any nurse who has ever worked mm-hmm. at an emergency room yeah. at the night of a full moon and what that means for them. My wife worked in a, um, an old age home, and she said on a full moon. That people would all act up, you know. I mean, it was just, just kind of, they just accepted it as that was the way it's going to be for that night, you know. And so uh, now this is coming from David Wilcock, who who I think has a lot of good theories about things. I'm not sure that he's always right on with stuff, but he he claims that what happens when there's a full moon is there's um, there's there's sort of a synchronicity set up sure. between the vibration of the Earth and the vibration of the Moon. Yeah. And, and that is what causes people to act differently. Right. Act it, out. Yeah, act out. And, and that there is actually um, a, a negative entities inhabiting the moon that are inside the We're moon. We're talking about the archons. Yeah, pretty much the archons. And, and during that time period, when, when they're getting all that negative energy from the human race because of the full moon, they're they're feeding off of that. That creates what we've referred to as losh before, which is right. which is energy thrown off when people are either in fear or in a state of you know, confusion. Right, or just, fight or flight. Yeah, right. yeah, the reptilian sort of thing. Right. On. So he he claims that that's you know that's set up purposely. Yeah. To, to do that, you know, there's a vibration set up that when the moon is full, it creates that situation. Yeah. Um, and he, he he takes it as far as saying that it's it's very similar to um, what people experience at an, at a like a big sporting event or something, yeah. um, where everybody's kind of rooting for you know either for one team and and that's sort of what it, that's what accounts for home field. Right. We call home field advantage, you know. So <laughs> do you have to get that? <laughs> I don't know. So. Um, that's kind of interesting, the yeah. fact that there could be entities within the moon or even some kind of race yeah. of beings in there yeah. you know, that are kind of hanging out there, preying on the 
I'm just, so, I'm so just, I, 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 I just find it interesting that there's, and there's a lot of lore around yeah. the full moon. You there know, is. The, the Wolfman and the, you know, all, the, all those things a bit that there's a lot of that. kicked in by the moon, by the full moon. Right. You know? um, so who knows? I a mean, lot of strange. A lot of strange stuff going on with that moon. Exactly. Yeah. If going back to the, the, the configuration of the craters and stuff where people kind of make it seem like a, like the man in the moon. You know, I, it looks like a man. What's the know? deal with that? Is yeah. that on purpose? Yeah, well, I don't know. For the longest time, whenever I looked at the moon, I saw Jackie Gleason's face. I mean... <laughs> Good. Yeah, Whose fault is that? Right. 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 <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know. So and I you can't know. help but see it, you know? The moon has a, has a huge impact on... I think that within my kid's lifetime, my son's lifetime. Mm-hmm. I think that there may be a conscious effort to go and explore the mysteries of the moon. Let's hope so. But I don't think that we're absolutely going to be able to say, hey, we're going to go and we're going to check out, we're going to send archaeological teams up to the moon to see what's going on until they actually admit to what's been going on here at Earth mm-hmm. and say unequivocally, yes, we've lied, but we did it. Here's the reasons why. We did it for your own good. <laughs> we lied for you. <laughs> Which is never a good thing. But I think that there is going to be sort of like because this. Because you're such an immature species, we have to, we have to guard your. I, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I mean, that's kind of rich coming from Washington. Yeah, really. You know, I mean, come on now. Mm-hmm. But we cannot actually go to the moon and explore what's underneath the surface before they come out and admit to everything that they lied about here on Earth is what I'm really trying to say mm-hmm. more succinctly. Right. That means that they're going to have to admit to Roswell. They're going to have to admit to the cover-up of Roswell. They're going to have to admit to all the other cover-ups, and they're going to have to have full disclosure towards what all of our tax dollars have been spent towards exploring. There, and there's I, I have a, a little tiny skosh of sympathy for that gentleman who gave me a hard time about the fact that Washington, specifically the Pentagon, the Pentagon, after losing how many billions of dollars? Trillions, actually. But who's counting? Right. But no, I mean, while Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, the Pentagon lost, what what was it, a couple of billion dollars under her care. But they spent only $22 million dollars on doing research into aerial phenomenon that we can't explain. And there are warehouses of stuff out there. And this is according to the New York Times. This is not according to Chris Carter and the X-Files. There are warehouses out there where we have collected debris from other encounters. Of course. Of course there are. But they've mm-hmm. admitted to this now. Mm-hmm. Well, who, who it's, it was in the stories of the New York Times, the Pentagon, and um, the Bigelow Aerospace has... So they actually said that they have a warehouse with alien... Warehouses. All right, warehouses, whatever. With alien artifacts? Yes. Alien? Well, that's pretty much saying that aliens exist then, isn't it? I mean... I mean, really? they said they. I mean, it's in the story where they said that there are that. warehouses. I, I there's warehouses it. full of evidence. Mm-hmm. They didn't say specifically. Not specifically. They didn't there's, mention the A word, the alien word? No, they, but there's, there was warehouses full of evidence. The thing, the, the question that always comes into my mind is why are we not privy to this 
stuff? Why, why, do we, why does it have to be kept from us if, in fact, it does exist? Why, why, why don't we... I mean, that's, that, that guy is right in some way that that $22 million is our money. Sure. You know? And if it's our money being spent to study this stuff, why, why don't we know about it? Because here's the deal. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's a logical question, I think. Here's the deal, and I don't think that I'm going to be allowed into the Capitol building this April. I would like to set up an appointment with our senators from New Hampshire, and I want to, I want to, I want to look Gene Shaheen right in the face and say, I want to put, put aside all the other petty bull that had occurred over the past couple of years. What I want to know is how come you are not pushing for full disclosure? What has, what is Bigelow Air, Aerospace and they're going to keeping? Say, Thank you for your concern, Mr. Fisk. But we have other things that we're working on right now that are much more important than that. Um, like Medicare and all these kinds of things. You're just going to get, you would never get a straight answer, Eric. Believe me, you'd be wasting your time. Even if I even if I showed up with well, one person could never make any inroad. If there was a large group of people that went after that, there's a possibility that maybe you would get somewhere. But one person's they're, they're just going to blow you off. I can guarantee you that. I bet if you, you even get in their office. I bet you that if you walked into Harry Reid's office and said, we probably after, wouldn't be able to for one thing. Right, but if but the thing is, is like if you could, where is Harry Reid today? Go to his office because the thing is, is that even when you're when you're no longer a senator, you still have an office, you know, or you know, you might have space in you know some office building somewhere where you're doing some kind of public relations. Go to Harry Reid's office and say, "Come on, pal. Full disclosure: What was all that twenty-two million dollars spent they, on?" They'd have a way around it. They 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 have a talking point that they, you know when you listen to. Any politician being interviewed, they never actually answer the question. Right. They, they talk around it. You know, they, they divert it away with something else. The only way anything would ever change is that if a huge portion of the American people stood up and say, okay, <laughs> we've had enough. Yeah. You know, we've had enough. That's the only way anything's ever going to change. Individuals, I don't think, can really make a whole lot of difference unless... You know, you get into a real power position, you get to be a senator or something. Yeah. You, then even then, I'm not even sure you could buck the system. You know, they'd, they'd blackball you from being on any committee or anything like that. You know, so... I think the thing the way is, it is. I but mean, I mean, listen, Harry Reid got away with what he was able to get away with because he was senior senator, Senate majority leader for a, for the, you know, the time that he was in, and, and in the Democrats with the majority. And probably because the story came out. He didn't, I don't think he volunteered it. You know, it was because he got, he got pinned down probably by whoever, whoever broke the stew broke the story. There was a whistleblower or something. Yeah, um, Ralph Blumenthal wrote the story, several stories on the New York Times. But where did he get the info from? Got the information. I had it actually written, written down here. Somebody must have... Um, Come out with it. It's, well, it's it's all in this story here on the trail of a secret Pentagon UFO program by Ralph Blumenthal, published December eighteenth, two thousand seventeen. And you know, if, if the if the Times printed it, you know it was well vetted. I mean, that's it, yeah. oh, they, he wrote an entire editorial on how it went about being vetted. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's 
got some it's got some teeth, you know, it's got some legitimacy to it. If he, if the Times put it out, you know, it's not some fluky, you know, newspaper from Peterborough, New Hampshire, or something. Yeah. Put it out. And didn't check their facts. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's, it's it should be interesting to see where this goes. It could be the first step. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's not gonna it's gonna be gradual, whatever it is. I do th- I do think that's there are being set up for disclosure, I right? You know, but it, it's but it's dribs and drabs. Is it not happening fast enough? Mm-hmm. I think it's not happening fast enough. I think that this this is I think disclosure is one of those things that could save the world. It, if we if somebody would come forward and say that all of these religious infighting holy wars are destroying the planet. We should come together for a common cause. It would save the world. Well, yeah, and that goes back to what I was saying before about um, there being always being a dialectic set up. Right. Well, it, it would, if something happened, it, it's kind of like this scenario in the day the earth stood still. Yeah. Where, where there was a, an event so enormous, like the whole world losing electricity for X amount of time. Right. Um, that it would it would cause everybody to, to see their commonality rather than uh, just dwell on their, on, yeah. their diver- on you know what separates them. Yeah. Um, that's what it would take. I, and I don't know what that would be. I, hopefully it wouldn't have to be some kind of huge cataclysm or something like that to 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 make that reality. But yeah. hopefully people would come to that conclusion without having some kind of major calamity happen. But who knows? I don't know. I think uh, <clears throat> one of one of our listeners um, had mentioned this when I was working at the hardware and feed store last night when I told him about today's topic. And he said, yeah, Eric, go get him. Go get him. But he also said, keep your eyes and ears open because there's going to be some kind of false flag Mm-hmm. That's going to well, that's they're going to they're going to try to get us to forget about this entire controversy with Harry Reid and company. That's usually what happens. And Bigelow Aerospace. And, and maybe maybe the Harry Reid thing is a false flag. It's possible. Could be. We don't know. The the powers to be are always thinking multiple steps ahead of everybody else. You know what? Here's it's here's a plan. It's part of some kind of plan, either negative or positive. Well, here's a really great idea because the thing is, is that we have. Um, one more day to record another show. As a matter of fact, the first show that we'll be recording at the beginning of the new year. You know what? Let's get. Let's try and get let, let, Mr. Cameron on. Oh, we could. He's he's pretty popular. Yeah, let's try and get him on the show and ask him about what he. I, I'd like to get Walter Bosley too. Well, he's he's got a lot of insight into things. Yeah. See if we can get him. He's, he he was a great guest. We had him. He was. And he enjoyed doing the show. I think. Yeah. So I think he said he was more than willing to come back and. Do a part do. Absolutely. I think that that's going to be the call out. We want to actually get people to come in, do the show. Even our listeners, mm-hmm. drop us a line at info at the Yeah, give us some feedback. At, on, our, on our Facebook page. Yeah, either about the moon segment or um, about the uh, the whole revelation on the on the government study. The Absolutely. Government study. See, what, see what they think. What do people yeah. think it is? Is it disclosure? A step toward disclosure, or is it a, is it a false flag? Let's find out. Yeah, Figure, let's see what people think. Yeah, let's get this rolling. Let's get a movement rolling. Let's get it. You know what? Let's get it, the metaphysical movement going. <laughs> Call your senator and congressman and say we want disclosure. 
and we see need, what they say. We, we need a, a cultural physic. Exactly. To make a metaphysical <laughs> movement. <laughs> Another great okay, show, Walt. Cultural laxative. <laughs> For those who don't know what a physic is. <laughs> okay, Dr. Physic. <laughs> no, I'm not Dr. <laughs> Another great show. Well, I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. I don't know when you're going to put this out, but again, before Christmas. I, I think or? I think that for Christmas, I think that I, make this a Christmas present. It's going to be a Christmas listener. show. This is this is our Christmas Day show. Well, think about what we talked about earlier and reflect on on your past. Yeah. And uh, take take care of somebody you know, in some way. Exactly. Way, other than yourself. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. God bless us, everyone. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. That's also a great way to get in touch with Walt, Jim, and Eric, and let us know what you think of the podcast, as well as topic suggestions for a future show. If we use your suggestion, we'll send you a t-shirt or coffee mug. Just send along your size and preference with your email. You can be a part of the metaphysical connection between shows by joining us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook by going to our metaphysical connection group and following us on Twitter at physics laxative. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them. Yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. So for Walt, Jim, and Eric, this is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on.